Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. You heard it right. We're in a series called Learnt. If you're new with this, you're like, uh, we should probably go. They don't even know how to spell. This ain't the church for us. We can find another spot, I bet, that knows how to spell. But just to clarify, uh, this is the British spelling of learned, all right? So learnt. It's technically correct, but that's not how we're going to use it, all right? We're using the hillbilly version of learnt, okay? That's the whole point of the series is to get learnt, all right? So there are things... In our life that we learn, we understand, we know, we know two plus two. There are things that we learned, don't touch the hot stove. I'm not supposed to learn, I'm not supposed to learn, don't touch the hot stove. And then there are things that I believe we need to get learned. It needs to be like deep in our soul and never forget it, put it in front of us at all times because it is something that God has tried to teach us or we have, we've got learned in our soul that's like, we can't forget this. This is wisdom. This is going to lead us to a healthy life. Let's do this thing. The scripture says it this way in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. It says, my son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. You will, you will be able to show off the life God has for you when you don't let wisdom and discretion out of your sight. When you keep it in front of you, the things that are meant to be learnt in your soul, the things that are meant to be learnt in your life, like I can't, can't abandon this, I can't forsake this, I got to keep it in front of me, I've got to write it on me, I've got to write it on the, on the mirror, I've got to have a, a calendar reminder, it needs to be in front of my face and I can't unlearn this, I've got to keep it. It says this is life. This is life for you. You're going to have an abundant life. You're going to have a full life when you keep these things in front of your face. And so last week, uh, what we wanted to get learned is to be faithful, not flawless. That, that our, 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 our calling is to not be flawless. That's not something God ever expected of us, but our calling is to be faithful. And that is attainable. We can be faithful to what God has called us to. And I need that to be something that's on the forefront of your mind as we kind of step forward into what we're doing today, which is what does it look like to be faithful? What does it look like to, to really be faithful to God, right? If we're going to choose to be faithful, not flawless, we need to put some teeth to faithfulness, like have some measurable, some way to, to, to understand what faithfulness looks like and to not just have some kind of like ethereal idea of what faithfulness is, but really decide we're going to be faithful and we're going to see how we're faithful, okay? So faithfulness, um, kind of like marriage, is deciding to be who you said you were going to be. Right? Well, if, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've decided to follow him with your life and you've prayed the prayer and committed your life to him, it means that you kind of made some vows. Just like in your marriage, if you're married, you made vows. There's a scripture that calls it a covenant, and it's the same type of covenant that it is our relationship with God. We are called to be faithful to what we committed to, right? In your marriage, there's a certain set of things you committed to. I'm going to be faithful, and this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to, in sickness and in health, it doesn't matter. I'm going to love you. I'm going to be committed to you. And what that looks like inside of marriage is committing to following the vows you signed up for. And in following Jesus, it's not different. It is committing to following Jesus the way you said you would. When you signed up to follow Jesus, and those of you that have decided to follow Jesus, you committed to give him your life. You said he was the Lord. He's the master of your life, and he gets to dictate your steps. And so today, uh, we're going to take a look at faithfulness. 
and what it means to get it learned in our, in our soul, what faithfulness is. And so what we have to do in order to be faithful to follow is we have to understand what he's saying, how he's saying it, and how to take the steps he's called us to, right? Faithfulness is, is the idea of understanding the voice of God and then applying it in action, right? So in, in, in faithfulness, we first need to understand the voice of God. Like, I've got to know what he sounds like, right? And if I'm going to be faithful in marriage, I've got to learn what my wife likes or doesn't like, what she, the way that she needs to be communicated to. I've got to learn her before I can even really get married, hopefully. But for all of us, we've got to learn how to keep and, and, and maintain a healthy marriage by knowing their voice, knowing their desires, knowing what they're requiring, requesting, and needing. The same is true with God. I need to know his voice. What are his expectations? What is his, his character like? What, is, what, is, what does it sound like to hear the voice of God? Because if I'm going to be faithful to the voice of God, I've got to be able to understand the voice. The issue is that it should be very simple, right? Like this should be a really short message. Just go look at scripture. That's what God sounds like. You should just be able to read scripture all day, every day, and really get the voice of God. Just get it deep in your soul, and it should be as simple as that, right? Like, this is a short message. Go read your Bible, and then we can all go home, right? Just go home, read your Bible. We're done. God bless you. All the stuff, right? Blessings. We can, we can do blessings at the end or whatever. We're done. That's it. Except, except, it seems like there are a lot of followers of Jesus who know scripture, and yet we all apply it differently. Like, just look around town. We, we all believe in the Bible. We believe scripture is the word of God in our life. And all of us emulate Jesus in very different ways. I mean, we have very extreme versions of what we think Jesus looks like and what we think it means to follow Jesus all over town, very different versions of what it means to be a Christian. And we all say we're, we're following the same book, right? We, we all believe that, that, that this is what we, we should do to follow the voice of Jesus. And yet, we all look very different, active, very conservative versions of Jesus, very Republican versions of Jesus, very liberal views of Jesus, very democratic versions of Jesus. There's, there's all of these views of Jesus. So how do we, how do we kind of wrestle with that reality? I love the idea of that though, right? How simple it is. I remember, uh, one time I was, I was, I had a job where I led group trips and the group trips, I would take, uh, churches and schools and we would do a group trip. And I was like their tour guide for different areas. And, uh, on one group trip, I'd always try to figure out like who they were. Cause they'd bring their adult leaders and they were their sponsors. And so I'd kind of figure out what's your church about? What are you guys about? And I remember one time I asked him like, Hey, tell me about your church. What's your church like? And he's like, he's not trying to be condescending, rude or anything. He just looks me dead in the face. He's like, man, we're just a Bible believing church. Do you ever have that moment where you just blink at somebody? Cause you don't know how to respond. Like, I don't know what question to ask you next to really find out what y'all are about. I just blinked for a second, like Bible. I don't know. I don't know a church that's not like they, all of us claim to be Bible believing. Like that's that presupposes that there are churches in town, in your town, wherever across the country. Like, no, nah, we don't believe in that stuff. I mean, we're Christians. We're a church. We don't believe in the Bible. Like we don't, we don't, we don't, we, we follow a different book, but we still call ourselves Christians. It's super confusing. And yet he was dead serious because it seems so simple because it's so black and white to him. And yet I was like, that's not descriptive. Every church thinks they're just a Bible believing church. So how do we, how do we wrestle with what it looks like to be faithful? How do we measure faithfulness to God? How do we test the voice of God and find out if we were faithful or not? And so today, uh, what I want to challenge you to see is that faithfulness to God, following God faithfully, if we're going to choose to be faithful over flawless, faithfulness to God means you should bear fruit. 
Scripture over and over again, John 15, Jesus tells us, like, if you follow me, you stay connected to me, you're going to bear fruit. I've actually ordained you to bear fruit. You, you should have a product to your faithfulness, right? The, the choice to follow God has a measurable byproduct to what we're called to do. Right? So if, if faithfulness is, is honestly following God, right, hearing his voice and taking the steps he's calling us to, I would, I would suggest that it is the knowledge of his voice and the application of his voice. The, the application of knowledge, in my opinion, is called wisdom. If we are going to choose to be faithful in following God, we have got to hear what wisdom looks like and test the wisdom of what we thought we should do, whether or not it was the voice of God. We have got to decide, like, was this God or was this not God, right? We can't just blame God for all of our choices and all of our actions, and it doesn't matter if it bears fruit or not. If we say it was supposed to be an apple and it ends up being an orange, we just blame God. Well, that was God. I don't know. God does whatever he wants to do. That wasn't on me. I just did what he said to do. Or maybe, hear me out, maybe it wasn't God. Maybe you were wrong. And maybe it's okay that you're wrong because we're called to be faithful, not flawless, and we can go and check and measure and see if the product matches the step. Does, does the product match what we said we were called to do? Does the outcome match what God called us to do? Jesus says it this way in Luke chapter 7, verse 35. It says, but wisdom is justified by all her children. The wisdom of our following is proved right, vindicated, or justified by the product it produces. Whether or not we heard the voice of God and we were faithful to follow is proved right or wrong based on the kids it produced. And some of us don't want to admit it, but we got ugly babies. I'm not talking about your real kids, okay? So don't leave yet. Not, I'm not. Uh, it's hard to admit when you got an ugly baby, right? It's hard to admit. You've, you've got investment in that decision. You've got investment. Like with your actual kids, it would be hard to admit, right? If that, that baby comes out ugly, you can't, uh-uh, you, can't tell your, you can't tell nobody their baby's ugly. That's for sure. Trust me. That's, I found out the hard way. You don't want to tell nobody their baby's ugly. Listen. I'm going to be the first one to tell you, my baby, when she was little, she was ugly, okay? <laughs> don't tell my wife. She's probably in here somewhere, but don't tell her. She'll forget this. Her memory's gone, so it'll be fine. Uh, she was a little bit early. She was like five weeks early, so she was real skinny. She was like long and skinny. She looked like an alien, like she looked like the alien. She even had the long tongue to match. So like the first time she cried, I asked the nurse, like, do all babies have long tongues like that? And she was like, mm-mm, nope, nope, just... <laughs> Like, ooh, oh, we're taking this home. This is this is ours. We got is there y'all put that back that put that baby back for a couple weeks. We need we need some cooking. We took baby pictures like earlier than a month, and it's just like, oh, only people that liked it was my wife. Everybody else was like, ooh, this hmm. Alien we're taking pictures. What is that? What what was that? What were y'all doing? What was that thing that y'all were taking pictures with? Oh, that was our daughter. It's cool. She's adorable now. She's beautiful now. But like pre-month, you know, like one month old before she got a little fat on her bone, she was a little alien baby. But you can't admit that your baby's ugly. You can't because you spent nine months suffering, all right? I don't care what you call it, women. It's suffering. Y'all keep going through it, and I'm proud of you. If it were up to men, we wouldn't have any more kids. We would have one. You may, even gotta, may not even trick us the first time, right? If it were up to us men, we're out. Women, you keep doing it over and over again. We're not sure why, but we love it, right? You are suffering. Your body suffers. You don't feel good. It, everything changes afterwards. Why is this worth it? Because you've invested 
in something. You spent nine months making something, letting something get life off of you. And, it, and we, we have what's called sunk cost bias. That baby's got to be beautiful. What I just went through, the suffering I just went through, the, the amount of hours of labor, that baby better be beautiful. And if it isn't, I'm going to lie to myself and say it's beautiful because of how much work and energy I have into it. And it's really not that different with our choices. Some of us have made choices and we keep making the same choice because it's cost us something. I mean, it says wisdom is justified by all of our children. And we got some ugly wisdom babies, right? Not a real babies. we got some ugly wisdom babies. And we're like, no, 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 no. This is God. Like you keep, you keep dating the same people and it keeps turning out terrible. But you're like, nope, no, nope, that was on them. That was their fault. That was because they were, no, no, maybe it's their fault, but maybe it's because you keep picking the wrong people and you can't admit that your wisdom baby is ugly. Like you keep dating people from the same location, the same place, the same lifestyle, the same background, and you wonder why the product doesn't change. It's because you got an ugly baby. Just admit, like, this, is, this doesn't work. Like, I've got to, at some point, recognize the choices that I'm making are producing ugly wisdom babies and change my decisions, change my choices. I've got to be able to measure and be honest enough with myself. And this is where last week matters. This is where it really matters to be okay being flawed. Like, I'm okay knowing that I might have made a decision that wasn't right because I'm not called to be flawless. I'm called to be faithful. And sometimes the most faithful you can be is to go, you know what, I missed it. That wasn't the right call. That, was, that, was, that, that did not turn out. The, the product of my choice was not the way God would have wanted it to turn out. That is not the best product. And it's okay. You don't, you don't lose points in heaven. You might actually gain points in heaven for that. Just admitting that that choice was not the best choice. That was not a godly, wise, faithful choice. It was the wrong call, and it's okay because I can now, now I can adjust it, right? If I can't admit that it's an ugly choice, if I can't admit that the, that the product isn't what I wanted, if I can't admit that it was a bad choice, I can never change it going forward. But if I can be honest, like, God, you've not called me to be flawless. You've called me to be faithful. So faithfulness looks like being honest with my flaws, with my choices that didn't, didn't work out. If we're supposed to have a byproduct, it means we should be able to measure our choices and go, that choice did not equal what God wanted me to have and do. And I will choose to get it learned deep in my soul. This is not working. It just doesn't work. And that's okay. I don't have to spend any more effort into it than that. If I can recognize this choice equals bad outcome, then just stop. You don't, have to, you don't have to spend a whole, long, a whole long year's worth of time figuring out why that, that choice led to that decision. Sometimes you can just change your choice. Sometimes it doesn't take a whole deep analysis to understanding the way you're spending is not going to turn out to the, the, the financial future you want, right? Like the, I'm in debt. Maybe the choices I'm making online at Amazon is not leading to the best outcome of what I want to be. And who I want, what I want to have with my family, what I want to have in my, as an income and, and for my future and for retirement. Maybe, just maybe, the way that I speak to my kids is not producing in them what I want to. But I saw so-and-so. They, they, they talk to their kids like that, and it seems like it works for them. Good for them. If it's not producing what it's called to produce in you, then just stop recognize this is not godly wisdom if it does not produce the children it was designed to produce. In all areas of our life, faithfulness bears fruit. Faithfulness bears fruit. Following the voice of God is intended to bear fruit in our life. And when it doesn't bear fruit, when it doesn't produce what we want it to produce, when it doesn't have the outcomes we want it to, we need to look back and go, why not? How do I need to analyze it? 
What, what, what's going on? Again, this is not comparative to everybody else. God is not asking you to bear the same fruit as everybody else. God is not asking you to look like everybody else. And sometimes the things that other people do work for them and it bears fruit for them, but it doesn't for you. The reason I know that is because it shows up in the context of Luke chapter 7. In Luke 7, the reason he says wisdom is justified by all of her children is because he's, he's talking to a group of people and he's like, listen, let me tell you what this generation is like. This generation can't be satisfied. Y'all aren't going to be happy with nothing I do. It's like John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking, and y'all called him a lunatic and said he had a demon. I, I came the opposite. I came eating and drinking, and you told me I was a glutton and a drunkard. You guys can't be satisfied, but guess what? Wisdom is justified by all our children. He's saying, look, look, we came and, and, and did it two different ways, and yet we both had a product that we are proud of and is justifying the choice in the way that we came. John the Baptist had people in the desert following and getting baptized, preparing a way for what God was doing. I came eating and drinking, and I loved on sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors. What I did is justified because of what the choices I made, and yet we both did it very different ways. What that tells me is two things. One, it's not comparative. If your choices aren't producing what you've been called to produce with your life and your actions, change them. Yeah, but so-and-so, but they did it this way. No, 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 John the Baptist didn't eat or drink. Jesus ate and drank, and yet both of them were justified by the product they produced, by the children their choices made is how it was justified, not whether or not it was the same. It's fine to look at, at, at people that are godly and, and, and assess how it's working and be like, okay, that seems like it worked. I could try it. It's, it's, it's healthy to look and see the forebears of our faith and find out like what our grandparents did that worked and what our parents did that worked. But if at the end of the day, what they did that worked for them doesn't work for us, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time overthinking it. That was great for them. J Jesus is not telling them John the Baptist did it wrong. I don't have to tell the church down the road that they're wrong about how they're doing church because I feel called to do it a certain way. No, no, no. This is what seems to work for us, and we're seeing the product. We're seeing what God is doing, and so we'll keep doing what God is saying is working rather than overthinking what everybody else is doing. God bless John the Baptist, but I'm Jesus, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come eating and drinking, and you're not going to like that either, right? Jesus is telling us it is not about whether or not it's working for them or whether or not they did it a certain way, and I've got to do it the same way. It is about whether... Your wisdom, your choices, your faithfulness are producing and bearing the fruit that you've been called to bear. The, the second thing to that is that uh, I, don't, I don't have to, I, and I kind of already bled into that, but I don't have to decide whether or not everybody else is right or wrong, right? I don't have to decide whether everybody else is right or wrong. And lastly, um, I don't have to if we're talking about John the Baptist and he's in the desert and he's doing his thing and he's got all this stuff, like his choice to do it his way may be right, may be wrong. But for me, the product of, of what I'm doing is based on the choice that, that God has called me to make, right? And that choice is unfortunately not going to please everybody, right? John the Baptist, Jesus, he says, the wisdom was proved right, not by whether or not you liked us. My choice to follow Jesus, my wisdom, unfortunately, is just not going to keep everybody happy. If you are dictating your wisdom, your choices based on what everybody around you thinks is the best choice for you and your family, you're probably missing it. Because Jesus says you, this generation wasn't happy with nothing. This generation wasn't happy either way. You found something to be dissatisfied by. So if you are basing 
the product of your choices based on whether it keeps your mama happy, whether it, basically, it keeps the people in your, in your work happy, whether it keeps your friends happy. If you are basing your decisions whether or not this is producing what it's supposed to be means it's keeping people happy, then you're not following wisdom. You're following man's opinion. However, if it's based on this produces for me what God has called it to produce, this is working for my family. This is working for what God wants me to do and be and how I'm called to live. This is working and I can see the fruit and be honest enough and be okay with the fact that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not flawless, but I will be faithful to assess. And so many of us are, are waiting on, on like this, this clear like voice of God to tell us like whether or not we're doing the right thing. We're waiting on like a clear like sign in heaven. Like we want a neon sign that tells us like, hey, this is the right choice. And God is saying, no, no, I showed you with the fruit. You, you don't need a preacher to tell you. You don't need someone with the word of wisdom. You don't need a neon sign in the sky because I showed you with the fruit of that decision that it's not working. So I, I remember years ago, the first time I learned this, uh, I was young, just out of high school, dating somebody, and I was in love. Like I just knew this was, this, was, this was God's person for me. We were in love, and we grew up in a uh, Pentecostal church. So if you're familiar with the Pentecostal church, you know, like, you're waiting on someone to affirm that relationship. Like, we had revivals, and someone could speak a word into your life, and they could confirm, like, hey, this is God's person for you. And that's what we were waiting on. We were just like, we just knew we're in love. We're supposed to be married. This is going to be it. This is going to be the one. And so we're at a revival, like, waiting on the person to call us up front and confirm that, that we're supposed to be married. The problem was... Uh, they didn't do that, first off. Thank God for that. Um, the problem was is that uh, all of the fruit that, that our relationship produced was chaos. Like, we just weren't good together. I mean, we were in love, but we just weren't good together. Like, nothing about our relationship made each other better. We made each other worse, and yet we're like, oh, this must be the one because we got these emotions. We have these feelings. We want this one thing, and it's going to be the right thing. And yet, everyone could see, except for us, that we were making each other worse. Like, you, I, like my, my, my dad was good at asking questions, not telling me how to live, ask questions. He's like, hey, do you think this thing's working? Do you think these two things add up? Do you think this makes sense? And I'm like, no, but I love her, you know? It's, it's God. Like, everybody in, our, everybody in our vicinity could tell. Like, this, you guys aren't making each other better. The product you produce is chaos. You're not, you're not better followers of Jesus. You're not better people. You're, 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 you're excommunicating relationships. It just isn't working. It is chaos. And yet, we were waiting on the Holy Spirit to give us a word, and the Holy Spirit had already spoke. He's like, no, I don't, you, don't need, you don't need Jesus to come down from the, the, the heavens and tell you this isn't working. You don't need Jesus to come down and speak a word in your life. You don't need him to wake you up in the middle of the night. You don't need me to speak a word over your life. When the fruit is an apple and God has called you to produce an orange, just know it's not working. When, when the product is not what you are called to produce, just know it doesn't work. It's not working. I don't have to keep going. I don't have to keep producing. I don't have to keep expecting. Just because it worked for somebody else, if it's not working for me, I need to stop. Sometimes we're justifying all kinds of things in our life because we saw somebody else do it. And God is saying, you're producing apples. You know, I'm called you to produce oranges. I know what you, I know what they did, right? I know what John the Baptist did. I know, I know what he looked like, but that's not you. You're not him. You're not supposed to be him. You are supposed to be you. And it's time to measure your following, measure your faithfulness, measure your wisdom. Is it producing what God has called it to produce in your marriage, in your parenting, in your school life, in your work life? in your alone time with him, is it producing 
what he wants it to produce in your life. If not, change it. I would rather try a thousand things. I'd rather try a thousand things until I found the one thing that worked, the wisdom of following, than to keep trying the same thing over and over and over again and wondering why God hasn't blessed it. I was like, I already told you. I told you the 10th time that that didn't work. You don't have to keep trying. We're looking at other people's lives and we're like, oh, I mean, like, yeah, it's cool for them. They, they, they seem like they can have an, a beer or a glass of wine with their dinner. Why can't I? Like, it seems like they, it, it works really well. They have a glass and they go to bed with their family. Everything's good. Except for, for me, I go to five and six and seven and eight. Okay. Wisdom tells me good for them, but if it doesn't work for me. I don't have to overthink it. It just doesn't work for me. And the flip side of that is I don't have to judge. I don't have to decide how they should have done it or how they could have done it. All I have to know is God has called me not to do it, and I can leave it right there. I don't have to decide what every other church in town is supposed to be, what every other Christian is supposed to do. I know for me and my family, this is what we're called to do because this is what produces fruit. And this matters that you measure not only on the back end, but it matters because I think it helps you measure before the decision ever made. When you start to learn the wisdom of God in your life, it really starts to help you like measure the wisdom beforehand. You start to hear what wisdom and feel what wisdom sounds like, what faithfulness looks like. And you start to make the, the, the correct decisions based on wisdom because you've measured wisdom, you felt wisdom, you sensed wisdom in your life. So uh, there are some things in our life. Like, I think you should measure everything at all times, but there are some things that are like oak trees. We don't get to find out till the end, right? There are some things in our marriage and with our kids, we're just not sure. Everybody does it a different way. And I can see some product and some measurements that are, that are short-term and start to calculate some things, but some things are just long-term oak trees. And I've got I've to figure out how to measure everything that I can when I can so that I know what wisdom looks like on the front end. And James tells us what wisdom looks like. James promises us that if we will ask for wisdom, God is faithful and he will give us wisdom. God is faithful to give us wisdom if we will ask for wisdom. And so um, then he tells us what wisdom looks like in James chapter 3, verse 17. He says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm faithful, not flawless, I can measure my choices. I can measure my following. Is it working? Is it bearing fruit? Are my relationships, my parenting, my marriage, my, my job, are they, are they bearing the fruit that God has called them to do? And it's okay if they're not because I'm going to be faithful, not flawless. It's okay. And as I measure them, I start to get a sense of what wisdom looks like. I start to get a sense of what wisdom looks like. This is, this is for me, the prerequisite to really hearing the Holy Spirit. This is like the, this is stage one. If you want to really like have God speak into your into your life and, and tell you a direction when two directions both seem right, right? We don't need we don't need the Holy Spirit to direct us when Scripture tells us it's wrong or it's a sin. We don't need that. That's simple. Just look at Scripture. It tells you trust God, follow His ways. But then there are moments where it's like two ways are right. Should I take the promotion or not take the promotion? They both seem like justifiable decisions. Should should I date this person or date this person? They both are godly. They both love Jesus. Which one should I ask out first? There are decisions in our life. Like should I spend this money on Amazon. It may be right, maybe wrong. I don't know for sure. Which thing should I do? Should I budget this way or should I budget that way? Well, how should I invest? There are things in our life that, that aren't clear yes and no, and the Holy Spirit can speak to us to give us a direction. And it sounds like the wisdom we've already measured. It sounds like what's happening in James chapter three, 
verse 17, the wisdom of God, the Holy Spirit sounds, first of all, pure. It's not tainted by our fear, by our guilt, by our shame. The, the wisdom that comes from God is, first of all, pure, then it's peaceable. Like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't come with a whole lot of extra stuff. When you start to measure wisdom before it happens, when you've, when you've measured on the back end, then you start to listen and feel for what it's like on the front side of the decision. Before you ever make it, you can go, I don't have a peace about this. And listen, I, I'm, I'm so passionate about making sure that a choice is peaceful that I will miss some opportunities to make sure it was God. I would rather, because I trust and there's peace and I don't have a peace yet, and until I get a peace, I want to make sure it's God because I know God is peaceable and he's gentle. He's not going to rush me. Listen, y'all can try to sell me on something. I know y'all got some pyramid schemes, but until I get a piece of God, you're not going to trick me. You're not going to get me with the pyramid scheme, not, not the second or third time. You know, I've been God a couple times. You're not going to get me now. Give me the first time, second time. not going to get me, you know. But th- that, that gentle spirit, like even, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid to say this, even missionaries who try to tug on our emotion strings to try to get us to give in a really guilt-driven way because there's people who have need, hold up. No, no, no. That em- emotion doesn't drive me. The, the call of God, the voice of God, the spirit of God drives me, and he's gentle, not guilt-driven. So I'm going to be, I'm going to wait. Here's my favorite one, is open to reason. This one's hard. It's open to reason. The wisdom of God is open to reason, but I heard from God. I, like, I feel a peace that it's God, and yet it's still open to reason. Yeah. You know how many times I've had a conversation or spoken a word out like God told me? Well, I got nothing else I can say then. If God told you, who am I to say? Who might have a conversation with you to maybe measure whether or not it was God? Once you've decided it's God and you are close to reason, I've already decided it's probably not God. Because, you know, the open to reason concept of following the wisdom of God means, man, I hear you and I hear what you're saying. And I want to ask all the questions and I want to hear your reasoning and your logic. and I want to hear all this stuff. But you know what? I'm OK if I mess up. I'm OK if this decision ends up being flawed because I'm being faithful to trust God. So even if your reason makes sense, even if I just don't know for sure, it's like 50 50 and I got to make a call and I go with the one that's peaceful and gentle and it goes against your reason. I'm not mad. I don't have to argue. I don't have to be frustrated. I don't have to get you to agree with me because the wisdom of God is open to reason. I just know that I'm called to do this. I get what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but I know God's called me to do this because it's full of mercy and good fruits. It's full of mercy and good fruits. The, the, the wisdom from a God comes down with, with a sense of like, hey, if it's a mistake, I got you. I'm your heavenly father and it's okay. Like if, if you've done everything you know to do, you measured and you're trying to be faithful, I'm good because there's mercy involved. I don't have to be flawless. I'm called to be faithful. And sometimes I'll make mistakes and that's okay too because I'm being faithful. Good fruits. It's impartial and it's sincere. It doesn't have ulterior motives. It's not, it's not, it's not got the backstory of all the things that you are trying to prove to yourself or prove to the world. It's sincere. It's not hypocritical. It's genuine. It's honest. That's what the wisdom of God looks like on the front end. And again, it's like that prerequisite for what the Holy Spirit sounds like. Because this is what he sounds like. This is what he sounds like coming from above. And today, it matters that you get it learned. It matters that it's deep inside of your soul. Because if you will follow wisdom, it will, it will be an ornament around your neck. It will be life to you. See, I told you about um, a really unhealthy relationship that I was in. It was, I was just as bad as her. So like it, for, for a few years, I didn't have the wisdom of God that was peaceable. I just blamed her. She was crazy, right? Like, ah, that was her fault. I was a horrible boyfriend. I was not healthy enough for the relationship. It was on me as much as her. And 
then, it, then, it, then I started dating my current wife. And that one like threw me off because it was like, it was simple. It was easy. It was peaceful. And, and I, knew, I knew what it looked like to have something that was unhealthy. I knew what it looked like that like I would rather be alone. I'd rather experience loneliness than to be in a relationship God has not called me to be in. And it was too easy. Like it made me nervous how easy it was. And so then I, I told you about my dad, so I go ask my dad. Like, he's the guy that'll shoot your dreams down. Not on purpose. Not on purpose. He just has good questions. And sometimes you have silly dreams. You're like, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to be rich. And he's like, have you thought about these three things? And so I was like, oh, he, he's the guy. Like, if this is a bad relationship, he's going to be the one to tell me. Like, have you thought about these three things? And because the wisdom of God was open to reason in that moment. See, the first relationship, I didn't ask nobody no questions because I didn't want to hear the truth. I was open to reason. I just wanted what I wanted. But with this one... It's like, hey, I'm thinking about maybe asking her to marry me. What do you think? He's like, ask me a few questions. He's like, okay, if you feel called to do it, do it. And I'm like, that's no. So I had to ask like five other people. Like I just kept asking because I was so nervous from the previous relationship that wasn't unhealthy. And all of a sudden, because I had learned and I'd spent some time getting it learned deep in my soul that like, mm, no, no, no. I want the wisdom that's from God, not from my emotions, not from my feelings. Cause I know what that feels like. I know the burn of that. I'm not going back there. It's learned. I'm going to ask all the questions. I kept asking questions, kept asking questions. God was saying, listen, the fruits on the tree, just do what you're supposed to do and lock it up quick before she figures it out. If you lock it up quick before she figures out, she can do better. Hurry up, you know, like get that thing going. And the reason it matters is because I adore my wife. I love my family all because it got learned what wisdom looks like. It got learned to ask the right questions, to be open to reason. And for you and your family, getting it learned to what wisdom and faithfulness looks like matters because you're going to be able to measure your faithfulness. You're going to be able to measure whether or not you're making good decisions so that when it comes down to the ones you're not sure about, you can know that you're trusting the Spirit of God because you measured it, you've tested it, you've checked it, and you found out that God was good, God was faithful, and you didn't have to be flawless. You just had to be faithful. And you'll find out it is life to you. It was life to me. My life is different because the wisdom that came from above, not because of my emotions or because of how great I was, but because of the wisdom that was peaceable and open to reason changed the direction my family went. The change is like, I am where I am because of that wisdom. And for you, where God has called you to be, the faithfulness that you're called to live out is going to make you different, your family different, and generations to come different because you're going to choose to follow God in the wisdom of the steps he's called you to. Let's pray. We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.